our series about what's the purpose of Christmas, why Christmas, why do we celebrate it, and uh, today we're at the third message in that, and I wanted to start with something a little different. Um, I have a gift here free for the taking, and so I'm asking you to come, somebody come and take it. No one? I have a gift here free for the taking. Bless you, Nola. It's yours. Enjoy. Yes. You can open it. You can stand right there and open it so they can see what's in there and what they missed out on. For eternity. It's astounding that so many people this 
December 25th, will celebrate Christmas, and yet they have never experienced the true meaning of Christmas, the true reason for Christmas. And as we said the first week, the greatest, the most expensive gift that will last forever. They have not bothered to receive it or open it. It's easy to forget that this is the reason for the season, that Jesus Christ was born, that he was born for one purpose and one purpose alone, to save humanity from sin. That is why he came. And if you want to know the greatest gift this Christmas, it is salvation. Salvation, my friends, is the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. We looked at the reality in our passage of scripture over this Advent season. We only heard Daryl read one verse of it today, but we've been looking at that famous story of the angel coming to speak to the shepherds, and there was that great heavenly host, and the gators sang that song this morning about that proclamation, and it's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. But on that first Christmas night, those angel, uh, and that angel announced three purposes for the birth of Christ. And that's what we are looking at during this Advent season. And we looked at last week that the greatest celebration at Christmas should be happening in his house with his people. Because Christmas is a time of celebration. And today we're looking at the reality that the purpose of Christmas is Christmas is a time for salvation. You know what was said, as we heard it read, right? That the reality is that for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Some versions say the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One that everyone's been waiting for. This is why it was such good news to these group of shepherds and others that traveled so far to meet this child. Today in the town of David has been born to you a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. And there's a lot of popular belief in our day that Jesus came to restore social justice or to bring world peace. But he didn't come for those, that is not his main reason. He didn't come merely to heal the sick or clothe the naked, though he did that. And he calls us as the church to continue to be doing that. He didn't come simply just to live a good life and set a good example for people to follow or to be a good teacher. How to live a morally upright life. He came to save us. He's all those things, but his main purpose and reason for coming was to save us. That's why we heard that passage today when the Apostle Paul says, but when the fullness of time was come. That's Christmas. That's what he's talking about, Paul. When Christ was born in the fullness. And remember we spoke about the Kairos moment, God's moment. Not Kronos chronology, R24-7, but in that right time, in that Kairos moment, God showed up as a baby in a manger, lying in a manger. Do you know, I, I believe in the miracle of Christmas. I believe in the miracle that in any moment, God can show up. In any moment, God can change a situation and turn a situation around. That's why we have hope. That's why we believe. 
no matter what you're facing or what you're going through today, God is able to do that miraculous thing that he did that first night. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem men that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Sonship. Daughtership. Today, you've heard it, but for those that need to hear it, salvation is absolutely free. It is a gracious gift right from the hand of God. Done through Christ Jesus, and our responsibility, our only responsibility, is to receive it. Much like Noah received that gift that I presented this morning by faith. Here is the tenet of Christianity, of what we believe. Say it with me. Salvation is by grace through faith. That's the tenet. That's, that's the nutshell. That is what we believe. If someone was to say to you, what is the Christian faith? What does the Christian faith believe? It is salvation is by grace through faith. Salvation. That act of being redeemed. That act of being delivered. That act of being rescued. When we say that somebody was saved, there is an aspect of rescue. You know, we said somebody was out in a boat, stranded out in, out in the water, and we went and saved them. It would mean that we went and what? Rescued them. They were in a situation where they couldn't help themselves, and they needed somebody from the outside to enter in and to rescue them, to save them, to redeem them. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is God saved us. We needed rescuing. We needed to be redeemed. We needed to be delivered. Some of the older terms and some of the words that Paul uses is the word ransom. That Christ paid the ransom for us. Ransom is a slave market term. Because back in the days when people were, in, uh, being, were slaves and they were being sold, someone could come in and pay for the slave. And set them free. That's what it meant to be ransomed. And so Paul says, we've been ransomed. We've been saved. That, that, that we are no longer slaves to sin and slaves to ourselves. But we have been set free by the precious blood of Christ. So what is it we need to be delivered from? So we need saving. We talk in the church about salvation. Well, we need saving. What do we need saving from? Well, <laughs> From our past, from our regrets, our mistakes, and we use the term sins. What's a sin? A sin is any attitude that denies God and gives him his rightful place in our lives. That's why, yes, there is that sin, but if we're not careful as believers, the moment we begin to bow down and worship other things, it is also a sin because what we've done is we have taken that which should be God's, our worship, our pray, praise, and we have now directed somewhere else, whether it's your job, whether it's your family, whether it's your hobbies, whatever it might be. As believers, if we're not careful, we can fall into that trap. But we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We were born into sin because of the fall of Adam and Eve. And all we can do is sin. 
rescue. We need a savior. We need someone to come and redeem us. We need someone to come and ransom us. And sin, this life that my way, my ego, separates me now from a God who loves me and knew me from the foundation of time and that creation and knew me in my mother's womb and loved me before anyone else loved me. But because of sin, I am separated from him. I'm no longer free. I'm going around enslaved. <coughs> and because of Adam's sin and the fall, it causes me to face the worst, death. And we all shall die. Well, thanks, Pastor. Well, I wanted to hear this morning. But my friends, it's not the physical death alone that I'm talking about. There's a spiritual death that's even worse. And so, because we're separated from God, there is that spiritual death, that spiritual separation for eternity. Jesus warned that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how he described it. This separation for eternity from God. And I want to say something for you today that as we're going through this message, you were never created for hell. None of us were created for hell. It was never God's design or plan. It was for the devil and his demons. This is why God has come with this wonderful message of rescue, of salvation. Here's the gift. You don't need to spend eternity there. You don't need any of this because I have made a way for you. I have made a way for you. That's what the cross is about. That's what him shedding his blood was about. That's why going into death, that place of death, he swallowed it up and came forth in his resurrection. And, and Paul says, oh, death, where is your victory? Because it's not just the physical death that Christ swallowed up. It is spiritual death that Christ swallowed up. I no longer need to be separated from God. And my friends... We need salvation. <laughs> we all need it. There's no one who doesn't need it. We all need it. You know, I, I was that Friday evening at the uh, memorial service at Rooney's, and many of our loved ones of our church and connections in the community are going through that realization this Christmas of the loss of their loved one, and many of you have been down that road. And it was a beautiful service. But you know there was unity in that service? And the unity that was there Friday night was everybody was in the same place. Everybody was in the same predicament. Everybody was grieving. Everybody was mourning. Everybody was suffering loss. And I sat there and said, wow, we're all here and everybody has this in common. And there was something amazing in that moment of realization that they all had that in common. And I felt that God was moving and God was ministering and God was speaking to broken hearts and lives. <coughs> and then I thought about that just now. There's one thing that brings unity in mankind. Don't care where you've been. Don't care what you've done. Don't care how bad or how good or whether you were raised in the church or not. Whether you're third, fourth generation we all need salvation. Amen. We're all sinners. We're all broken. And we're all needing to be redeemed. We're all needing salvation. We're all needing rescue. We're all out on the sea. <laughs> Lost. 
and needing Christ to come walking on the waters <laughs> to come and rescue us. I've used this many times, but it always speaks to me. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And God sent us a Savior. See, good works, truly being sorry, even wanting to change is not sufficient, my friends. Desire is good. But good intentions are not enough. You can try all your life to work hard and to be better and be good and to be on the nice list and not the naughty list, but it's not going to rescue you and it's not going to save you. Because there is only one who can save. And his name is Jesus. And so, it's all because of God's amazing, wonderful grace. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What's grace? Grace is God's undeserved favor upon us. He bestows it on us. He bestows his salvation to us. It's God's love with flesh on, with action. That's why when you look at Jesus in the manger as a baby, it is God incarnate, God with flesh on, God's grace in person. Where God is reaching out to us even though we don't deserve it. And God gives it freely. Freely it is given. And we can never repay him for it. Grace is God's unmerited favor. I like that statement. Say it with me. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. You know, we can't wrap our minds around that. We struggle with that. I've met good Christian people all their lives who struggle with grace. This whole concept of grace. They believe they have to work for it. They believe they're not worthy of it. They, they believe somehow that, that God's grace is good for someone else, but it could never be for me, Pastor. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I think about when no one's around. You don't know those dark secrets. Grace can't be for me. Because we're still dealing with the naughty and nice list. We're still dealing with the reality that, that, that everything in this world is about conditions. And we believe in conditional love and conditions. You know, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And if I do the right things, then, then those are when I get the good things. But when I'm bad, I don't deserve it. And so we struggle with this concept of grace. But God is just gracious. That's who he is. And so by his grace, we are justified. Oh, there's so much we could say, but we don't have time this morning. But just even that term, justified. Do you know today that you are justified by God's grace if you are in Christ? Justified is that legal term that if you look at it, it's, it's as if we were in a courtroom today, and you're sitting there, and you have been found guilty, and they read off the rap sheet of everything in your life. 
you know, Lord, what would I think if somebody got up in the church or got up on, on social media or whatever and began to read off my rap sheet or read off your rap sheet? How embarrassed we would be, how ashamed we would be to know that we've done all those things, that we have broken the Father's heart, that there are those hidden things that no one else knows but God. And we stand with our heads held low like somebody would in a courtroom. And in that moment walks Jesus. And Jesus comes and stands in that box where we are. And he removes us out of it. And he says, I will take the penalty for all of it. All of it. And all of a sudden we're handed a clean piece of paper. And there's nothing on it. It's clean. Christ has paid for it all. And we have been justified. We have been set free. And Jesus has paid for our sins. Once and for all. There is no longer shame. There is no longer regret. There is nothing. It's all under the blood of Christ. It's been given to him. This is why we celebrate as a church Christ's salvation. But it comes through God's grace it's not works. It's not what you do and what you don't do. It is all because of God's grace. No strings attached. No need for fear. No need to worry that when, a, when we're making <laughs> that gesture that we can come and receive it freely instead of being afraid. Instead of wondering if there's something behind all this. And then we're told that salvation comes through God's grace by faith alone. This is where it's the means. What's the means, Pastor? Okay, you told me about the need for rescue. You told me about salvation. And it's come as a free gift by God's grace. But does that mean everyone is saved? Well, I want to say to you right up front, the price has been paid for everyone. Once and for all. What was one of the terms that Christ said before he gave up his spirit? It is finished. He paid the price once and for all for everyone. You know when I said he stood in that box? He stood in that box for all of humanity, all sin of all time. And he's paid the price. And it's a free gift. But it doesn't mean everybody has it. You have to receive it. I like what somebody put it. Put it this way. So we're going down to home hardware. Right here in Alberton. And we notice on Facebook today they're giving out free snow shovels. So down in home hardware they're giving out free snow shovels. Now hear me right. They're not. I'm just pretending. <laughs> Does that mean you have one? No. Does anybody here today have a free snow shovel? I don't see anybody here with a snow shovel. What would you have to do? You'd have to go take it. You have to go down to Home Hardware Store and you have to ask somebody and say, where are those free snow shovels that you said you were giving out today? And you'd have to get one in your hands and you'd have to walk out the store with it and then you could say, I have a free snow shovel. See, there is the reality by faith we have to receive all that Christ has done for us. 
The salvation that has been provided by God's amazing, wonderful grace, we have to receive it. We have to accept it. We need to put our hands on it and hold it and make it our own. Salvation is obtained by faith. And I put my faith in God's goodness and his gift. And the greatest gift that any of us could ever receive is his son, Jesus and the salvation that Jesus provides through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And by faith, I believe that God has paid the price and I put my hands on it. The payment for my sins is appropriated by faith, which is trust in the work of Christ. You know, in, in the original Greek, in your Bible, when it's translated, wherever you see faith, it could be translated trust. Because those words are actually the same word in Greek and can be used interchangeably. So when I say I put my faith in Christ, it's saying I put my trust in Christ. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put my trust in a pastor or a church or any denomination. I put my trust and my faith in what Christ has done for me. That's why we're saying this, by faith. The payment for my sins is appropriated to my account by my faith in the work of what Christ has done. And I remember the price has been paid. God has shown it in his grace. But now here's my point. I have to take my step towards what God has done in grace. I have to respond. That's, that's all that I'm asked to do is to respond to his act of grace. And that response to that act of grace we call in the church repentance. Repentance is not just feeling sorry or having good intentions. Repentance is a turnaround. It is I've been walking my own way away from God and in this moment of awakening I realize who I am and what I have done and how I've fallen and I need rescue and I turn to God and realize that God is gracious towards me and I look to the cross and see what Christ has paid and now I start a walk back to the Father. Does that story sound familiar? What's the prodigal son all about? That parable that Jesus told. He had an awakening in the pig's pen. What is God trying to say to us? And then he had that awakening, which is what we call conviction. The Holy Spirit begins to convict us. We begin to feel terrible for the condition we're in. We begin to feel terrible for the pain we have caused our Heavenly Father. And in that moment of awakening, we start the journey back to God. That's what we call repentance. Repentance. I want to challenge you today. Are you sorrowful for what you have done? The sins... Do you admit today that you need rescue? Do you admit today that you need to turn to the Father? That you want to receive this wonderful gift of salvation? You want to put your hands on it. You want to hold on to it. You want to know that it's yours. And so by grace we receive the gift of faith that enables us to believe that he has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and provide the salvation we cannot achieve on our own. Jesus was born 
Someone said the greatest disservice that people do is they leave Jesus in the manger as a baby. We said that last week and the week before, but Jesus grew up, became a man, laid down his life for our sins, rose for our justification, and forgives us freely, whoever who will freely accept this wonderful gift of grace called salvation. And so as I bring this to a close, it's time today to unwrap that Christmas gift. To unwrap that wonderful gift of salvation. I wonder who's going to help me today. Anybody want to help me? Think of a mark? So, if I had this gift, and I wanted to give it to you, and you said, no, don't want it. How would that make me feel? Not very good, right? Now, what happens if I give you this gift, and now you pull your wallet out? <laughs> so say, you did, say you did, and you say, how much? How would that make me feel? And then I would say to you, no, 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 it's free, it's free, I don't want any payment. And then you say, well, you pull out your checkbook and you're going to write me a check. How would I feel? Not very good. I'd be pretty upset, right? I don't think you would enjoy the gift. I would enjoy it as a giver. Now, what happens if you take this gift and you go home and say, well, that's really nice. I was at church today and Pastor Bennett gave me a gift. But you shoved it down some back drawer and forgot about it. What would be the problem with that? You didn't appreciate the gift. You didn't really receive the gift because you never opened the gift and enjoyed the gift. You can go ahead and open it and enjoy it. Yeah. See, there is no reception of gift unless we receive it freely with no payment and open it and enjoy it. And that's what we're talking today about this gift of salvation that has been given to us so freely and wonderful. I'll share this story. The only son of a very wealthy man had his 21st birthday on Christmas Day. And his mother gave him some gold cufflings and engraved gold pens. His uncle and aunt, now some of you would like to hear about this, bought him a set of tailor-made R9 golf clubs that combined flight control technology and movable weight technology, with which he was delighted as he was a keen golfer. And he expected to receive a sports car from his dad, as he had dropped many heavy hints over the course of the previous year. Instead, his dad told him that he loved him and handed him a wrapped up present. When he opened it, he found it to be a box containing a leather-bound Bible with his name inscribed on the spine. Angrily, the young man tossed the box and Bible aside and stormed out saying, With all your money, all you can give me is a Bible? And they never spoke again. Despite the fact that the young man's father tried hard to contact him and reach him, Years later, he got a call from his uncle to say that his dad had died, leaving him everything. 
As he was going through his father's belongings, he found that Bible was still in the box. Curious, he took the Bible out of the box and opened it, and the page fell open at a passage that his father had marked for him for his 21st birthday. And as he looked at the page, he noticed it was underlined Matthew 7:11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father give what is good to those who ask him? And as he read it, a car key fell from inside the Bible. It had a tag with the dealer's name on it for the sports car that he had wanted so many years earlier. And on the tag beside the date of his 21st birthday, read the words, paid in full, love, death. I want to challenge you today how do you open this gift that God has provided for you? This gift of salvation? How do you open it? Well, we admit that we have sinned, that we have fallen short, that all of us need rescue from God. We believe, trust, have faith that Jesus died for us to pay the ultimate price. And we receive by faith I trust this wonderful free gift of salvation. Why is this gift of salvation so wonderful? I'd like to say to you that it's going to make your life easier. It won't. I'd like to say to you today that God's going to solve all your problems. He won't. But I want to say to you that you will never experience freedom, joy, peace, purpose, relationship, the greatest of loves, and eternity like you will with God. Amen. And so it is the best gift ever. I'm going to ask you to stand. No, I'm going to ask you to remain seated. And there's a prayer here today that we're going to all pray together. Many of you have prayed a prayer like this many years ago. But in, in the fact that there's unity and the fact that we're all in the, we all start in the same place. <laughs> And to help those who maybe need to pray or want to pray this prayer today, we're going to pray it together. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus so I could get to know you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me all my life, even when I didn't know it. I realize I need a Savior to set me free from sin, from myself, and from all the habits hurts, and hang-ups that mess up my life. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Save me from my sins and save me for your purpose. I want to learn to love you, trust you, and become what you made me to be. Right now, by faith, I accept the Christmas gift of your Son, Jesus, as my Savior, King, and Lord. Holy Spirit, fill me with your peace and assurance. So I can be a peacemaker and help me share this message of peace with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What I'm going to do now has been directed by the Holy Spirit. And it's something I felt I needed to do last night and as I prayed this morning. I want heads to be bowed. 
And I want you to realize that when you make decisions like this, it's important that you make it public. It's not enough. There's no such thing as secret Christians. And so even those listening online, I'm going to ask you to do it when you're doing it in front of God and the Holy Spirit. And we'd love to hear from you if you've made this move. If you've made a recommitment to Christ today, or this is the first time you've prayed this prayer, I would ask you at this time to stand. We want to give you that opportunity. Amen. Anyone else? Recommitment to Christ. First time you prayed that. Amen. Anyone else? This is holy ground. This is the place where God does business. It's a safe place. Amen? It's a safe place. Anyone else? You've made a recommitment to Christ and this wonderful gift of salvation. Or maybe it's the first time you have prayed this prayer. We don't want to rush this. Anyone else? I'm going to ask you to open your eyes and look around, and there's three individuals in our church that have made that stand, and I'm going to ask if a few of you would come around and just lay hands on them. Someone at the back. That's exciting. This is the Sunday of joy. Amen? This is the greatest joy when people have made a commitment or recommitment to Christ. And I believe will be those even online that are going to tell us that this is a decision that they've made. Pray for this message as it goes out and is watched tonight and tomorrow and in the days ahead. We want to pray that we will hear of people who have accepted Christ, who have made a recommitment to this wonderful gift. Father, you see these individuals today who have taken a stand. And God, that's what your church is about. We take a stand. We take a stand together. We've got each other's back. We encourage one another. And we pray for each other. And I thank you for these three individuals today who have taken a stand in the body of Christ and says, it's me, it's me. I'm in the place of meeting prayer today. And God, we know that your word says that there is great rejoicing. <laughs> there is great rejoicing that your house is a house of peace and love and joy. And we sense great joy today. We pray now the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit upon them. We pray for the protection of you, O God. Stand between them and the enemy. And we come against the lies of the enemy who would want to snatch and steal and destroy the commitments that have been made today for Christ. Amen. And God, I pray for your truth will reign true in their hearts and lives in the weeks ahead. And God, may there be all of a sudden now a sense that all of this has lifted off of them. There is no need for shame. There is no need for regret. There is no need for carrying their sin and, their, and, and everything from their past. That in this moment, may they see that piece of paper clean. Because Christ has paid the price once and for all for it. And may they continue to hold on to that. May they continue to remember that. 
and do not allow the enemy to snatch the word today and what you've been doing in your house today, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Just for you standing, I'm going to speak the blessing over you. You don't need to rush the ones that have gathered around. But I just